0: Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information, and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 11 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. In between this and the previous episode, an additional week has passed, and I've looked at different recommendations. We're not supposed to talk about, oh, I haven't been here for a while, but sometimes I go against the grain of that concept. And let's visit for a moment what has transpired in this time between, because it has been, right, 10 weeks of consistent episodes, and I do record these in real time. There are benefits, to recording in advance and having them prepared so we don't omit the week. And that is in the realm of consideration. But there's also an element of being in the moment, speaking to what arises, noticing the message in the health. And sometimes that message is a pause. That message is a silence. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. And actually... It didn't occur to me that that time had elapsed. It was one of those things where I could sense it. It seemed like it had been a while. I had a few moments where the podcast was intended to be recorded. There were some technical challenges. And then it wasn't actually until I went to post an episode of conversations that I really saw that this two-week interval had gone by rather than the one that we are used to. And I paused. I had all kinds of different thoughts about that. You can have this sense of the streak has been lost, broken. And if you have ever been in a consistency of a challenge or a pattern, it can feel like a big loss. And it can feel like, what do I do to compensate for that? Can I go back? What do I do now? I remember watching a basketball game recently with my oldest son, and the commentator noted that this individual had made 45 consecutive free throws. And... He walked up to the line. You could almost tell it wasn't going to happen, right? They were saying, hey, they set it up. They set it up for him in such a way that it seemed very unlikely that he was going to make this free throw, and he missed it. And so we could look at that and say, wow, he was so close to 50. You know, this record could have been broken. What a disappointment. Or you could celebrate that he had 45 consecutively, and now he's opportunity to rebuild that consistency again. And does that one lost free throw negate the previous 45? It cancels out the possibility of that sequence of 45 leading to a streak of 50 or beyond. But it doesn't undo the fact that there were 45 consecutive previously. And so here I'm going to celebrate that there were 10 consecutive pretty much on the week, give or take a day or so episodes in this season. And also take a moment and say, of course, there was a pause prior to episode 11. And of course, there was a pause prior to an episode that is talking about silence. Right? There was a bit of a radio or a podcast silence in these last couple of weeks. And as a listener, what did you do in that silence? Did you notice? Have you gotten used to the rhythm of these episodes coming out? Did you go back and listen to any previous Did it lead you to anywhere else in your podcast library to explore a different show? Sometimes silence invites us to do that. Sometimes we attempt to fill it. So sometimes we might have this expectation of this sound of being met with an episode in this space. And when it's not there, we find another one to take its place. For me, I had that experience when Brene Brown took a pause Intentional, right? Hers was not omitted, but intentional for two weeks. And she did release previous episodes, but it also led me to fill those times on Mondays and Wednesdays when I would normally engage with her podcast to look to some previous shows that I hadn't been listening to. It opened up space, right? So silence opened up the space for me to hear different messages. It also opened up space for me to participate in my workouts, in my movement without a podcast in that time. I moved toward music. I moved toward actual silence silence. And we know quite often, there's rarely silence within our minds. There's often a lot of thoughts happening. And so we have our own soundtracks that are at play quite often. Let's look at silence and its role in our lives. And let's look at music. There's a quote that's often referenced from the French composer, Claude Debussy, that music is the space between the notes. We can think of that as the silence, the breath, the pause, the invitation, the opening, right, between the notes. I did watch a portion of the Oscars this weekend, and Soul won the Oscar for Original Score, and John Batiste gave the acceptance speech and noted this sense, right that space between the notes, and also that there are but 12 notes, and not a limitation there, it's everything. And all composers, all musicians, all of us have access to these same 12 notes, and we can put them together in all types of configurations and combinations and make infinite songs, make beautiful music, and all of it happens with that space between, with those moments of silence, thinking about the moment of silence before a song begins or as it ends in that resonance, just sitting with that, feeling it viscerally and reflecting on what just happened, allowing that space, that silence upon conclusion of a song to be full, to capture the experience of what just happened in a way that we can't, when we're actively in the listening phase, when that song is directly being played. Seeing the power of silence there. I talk a lot with my clients and coaching about the space between and automatically, right, music comes through in so many ways, the song from Dave Matthews enters that space. I think I can't say the space between without hearing his music. And noticing too, that just creating space between right? Space between ourselves, our knowing of our thoughts, our thoughts and our feelings, our feelings and our actions between ourselves and each other. And you might think, no, we want to be connected. But space doesn't eliminate connection. It actually offers opportunity to connect in a meaningful, comfortable, seeing way, right? Sometimes when we are right next to someone else, right? We can feel compressed. We can talk about our space bubbles, right? And we see that, especially in this time, keeping this physical distance for safety, but sometimes just taking that step back, then you can actually see one another. Right? So creating that space between, can actually encourage the experience of connection. And so we're looking at silence and we're thinking about how we experience it, what role it plays. When I first think about silence, I see a darkness, but it's a glowing darkness. Last night, we happened to have this full pink moon, and I saw it only while it was still daylight. Once, it was actually nighttime. Where I live, there was complete cloud cover, and so there was no experience of the full moon in person for me, but many of my dear friends shared pictures of the full moon as it was being experienced for them all across the country, and so I had this sense of it, but also seeing it in that moment while the sky was still daylight blue it was powerful but i think about silence visually is a full moon nighttime sky where it's dark but there is this glow there's this resonance there's this light emerging against this dark backdrop i don't see silence as an absence i see it as full but spacious and I think about immediately this feeling of peace. We talk about peace and quiet. And so, if quiet right, is a synonym for silence, think about the peace that emerges through silence or the peace that invites silence to exist. And I had the experience in the part of the delay in recording this episode of being on my own, right, driving out to Maine and returning. And there was a fair amount of silence in that trip. Now I did listen to books on the drive, but there were also times when it was just me in the car, on the road. There were times it was just me walking outside, often next to water. It's usually where I find myself for guidance, literally, geographically, and figuratively, internally, spiritually. There was a lot of silence in reflection so writing down of words and so interesting then because is that silence? Because there could be the sound of the pen on the paper, there can be that sound internally of the thoughts. But if you were to observe it, from the outside in, it would be essentially silent. There is also silence communication within that course, and there can be in experiences with patients. Now, in general, when I see patients, we have a conversation usually out loud, in words spoken. There's also conversation happening internally and between, right? There's this energetic exchange. There is the physical palpatory exchange. Right? There's this information transmission that's happening. And there are times when we will go quiet right? and that communication will take place through the medium of silence. And on a course when multiple physicians are treating at the same time. There will be direction, guidance from the teacher. And then often many moments of silence because we're not going to carry out multiple conversations simultaneously. So, a lot of listening that is happening and is encouraged. And so much of the experience happens within that medium, that tapestry of silence. And the silence often feels rich. There are times, however, when silence does feel empty. And noticing that oftentimes can come with an unmet expectation. So if you are anticipating being in conversation or connection with another, and that doesn't happen, or doesn't happen in the way that you anticipate, there can be a silence. You can think about an awkward silence. Right? There's a descriptor that can often accompany silence. And we have to try to decide if we can handle it. If it's okay. Why we're trying to fill it. What we might say that isn't actually what we want to say simply because we're not willing to be with the silence, be in the silence, to listen to the silence, and to see what is meant to come through. It's said I'm not going to get the exact number here, but I think seven seconds, right, that the average physician interrupts the patient less than seven seconds into their engagement in an appointment in a doctor's office. And now there's no silence there. (laughs) There's talking met by other talking. And we can look at need for efficiency, direction of questions, motivational interviewing, getting clear, lots of reasons, right, and perhaps the doctor's appointment isn't the time to practice silence necessarily. But at the same time, where is space granted in there? And how could even the moment of a breath, and how could that practicing of silence on the part of one encourage the sharing of another? And so looking there where silence can be the role of one of the individuals, and it doesn't mean global silence in the room or in the engagement, But silence can be this generous act of listening meaningfully. Again, here's where that rich silence comes through rather than an empty silence. And what has been encouraging in the practice of coaching is that silence is encouraged. It's welcomed. We practice holding space for silence to not jump in and grant more advice giving or insight. And yesterday's Dare to Lead podcast, highly recommend talking about advice monsters and seeing what our tendencies are and the opportunity that we have not to answer those urges to have the right answer, to interject, to one up with our own experience in that space. And so I ask you where you find silence to hold the most power. To recognize, if we think about power, right, it involves our own strength, and that can mean it's a heavy load. So have there been times when silence has appeared, you've been asked to hold it, and it has felt so heavy, right? And I think about the Atlas Stone. If you ever watched the strongman competitions, right, it's this enormous, significantly weighted object, and you have to kind of hug it, And it's out in front of you, so it's awkward. There aren't really good ways to get a comfortable hold and you have to just hang on, right? And it's out in front of you and you're engaging your core and your arms are fatigued and you think, how long can I hold on to this? And that's how sometimes holding space for silence can feel in conversations. And our urge is to drop it and say something, right? To just say, let me put this down and let me offer this and I can't handle this. It's uncomfortable. But at the same time, There's so much power to be gained in there. And if you can just hang on, and if you can just lift it up and set it up on that podium, you have given and granted the space for that person to reflect on their own thoughts, to tap into their own inherent wisdom, their self healing capacity. We see the osteopathic concept fully engaged in that moment. And so how do you hold space for silence? And what might you be able to tell yourself in that moment? This is not about me. This is for them. They are experiencing something here. I'm willing to wait. This time is worth this moment. I believe in my strength to hold this space. All these different ways we can encourage ourselves to embrace the sounds of silence. And of course, that has to emerge, Simon and Garfunkel, and their brilliant, lyrical, harmonic contributions to the world and seeing what the sounds of silence can offer to us. I want to move into an exploration of different iterations, different versions of the word silence, the experience silence. And we see here a lot of opportunity, not always easy, but learning that takes place, connection that takes place, communication that takes place, growth, insight, understanding, health, wholeness, wellness, worthiness, all of that can grow out of that space of silence. But sometimes right, silence or silencing can be used as a weapon, as a tool of oppression. We can use it against ourselves Silencing ourselves when we do have something to say, but perhaps don't believe it to be worthy of being said, don't trust ourselves to say it in the right way. And so let's look at silencing. And notice when we have used that or when it has been used against us. And why? So why does silencing happen? And we're seeing that a lot culturally, this idea of cancel culture And we could talk about that phrasing and how even that word now has, or those two words, I should say, has become weaponized in a way. But looking at what silences us and why. And in general, just picturing that. And I love to do a visualization of words. And it's so interesting. I'm in this current course to look at coach development and training and tapping into emotions and noticing the ways in which we have an internal dialogue, right, that builds us up or shuts us down. And we have the task of tuning in to sound, to touch, to visualization. And when I'm looking at something, I'll feel very distracted and I'll go into a hyper analytical mode of seeing what it is and describing it internally. But visualization, when I'm picturing something in my mind, especially when I'm picturing something that doesn't have necessarily a traditional, typical appearance, like silence, right? So automatically coming into that full moon, night sky, glowing experience. And when I picture silencing, a few things come to mind, And I experience both this visual sensation of it, but also a physical sensation. It makes it feel like you catch your breath, get smaller, shrink down, your posture slumps. If you think about silencing, it's not just of our voice, of our words, of sound. It's of our whole being. It's that sense of being shut down. And so noticing when it has been utilized, and oftentimes it is out of fear and lack of trust, insecurity. We silence ourselves because we're afraid of what others might think, of what we're going to say, that we might not say it correctly, that there will be repercussions, right? that it's not formed quite right. And so we'll say it when it is, and we know that rarely comes. Right? And so noticing silence and that lack of trust that is the foundation of the act of silencing. It's often a similar reason that others might silence you. They might be afraid of what you're going to say, that it will strike a chord or a nerve and be problematic. Maybe it will call something out that they were hoping would stay hidden, that it would be a revealer, the consequences of which they weren't ready to face. Right? It might also be from a space of competition, right, where someone acts out in silencing so that. Right? If you're seen as a threat, they can reduce that risk For themselves. And so, noticing when you have been silenced and why you have, I won't say cooperated with, right, but allowed yourself perhaps to be controlled by that silence or gone along with it. Perhaps that sense of fear extended from the other, or you saw that your intention was misconstrued and you recognized the impact of it. And so, you turned to silence. And there can be some value in that, looking at the match between intention and impact, knowing intended it one way, it was received another. Let me take this pause, right Silence can offer that moment for you to reflect, but how long does it reverberate? Right? Does it stop you from speaking out ever? Does it change the course of what you had to say? Is that a good thing? Right? Is that a reframing, a reshaping a redirection that's going to be helpful or? Is it stunting potential growth? And what would you have to believe about yourself? What would you have to trust about yourself to step out of or through that silence? Noticing when you have been the silencer, and let's start with of yourself. When have you not spoken out? And remembering that could be spoken word, written word, informal conversation, professional engagements. When have you stopped yourself? from speaking? When have you silenced your voice and why? And what, again, would you have to believe about yourself in order to speak up, speak out, engage, recognize that you are going to do the best you can in the moment and you can get that feedback on impact and make adjustments, but it doesn't have to shut you down. It doesn't have to stop your message from being shared with the world. And then one have you silenced another? And I share a lot of lessons here from parenting. And it is a powerful place of learning. It can be a place where silence is seen as carrying an element of peace. And I have been relatively, I'd say noise averse, but volume averse, right? So I like to listen to things, music chatter. I can sleep in any situation. I do not need silence. It's actually often the opposite. I'll turn on music. Growing up when I was home alone a lot, I would have movies on in the background so that it felt like someone else was there and with me. But sometimes the cacophony increases in volume and that can be overwhelming. And just yesterday I had the experience driving home. My children were going back and forth with these different dialogues and then singing and the volume kept escalating. And I was coaching myself through it, thinking it's okay, this is okay. They're having fun, they're engaging. And finally I said, okay, like this, this has reached the maximum for me. We're nearly home. Could we tune this down and maybe engage with this outside the confines of the car? And actually I had a reflection back to my own youth when I was in the car with a dear friend and my mom on a road trip and we were singing church songs quite loudly. And my mom did intervene and say, wait, wait, wait. And we're thinking we're so loud and obnoxious and this is distracting and she's going to silence us. But she was more concerned that we were going to damage our voices with the volume. So that was her thoughtful recommendation, not to silence, but to refine the volume that was shared. But in any case, having this volume aversion, silence can sometimes feel very welcome if there has been a lot of noise, right? But noticing too, when we are shutting someone down, and sometimes it's necessary, right? If you need to focus or if it's not the time, there are reasons, right? We can ask for some to be quiet, but also checking in and what message is being sent? How is it being received? And we can't control how people respond to what we say, but we can be aware and clarify and decide if that's the way in which we want to communicate. And my middle son is often the recipient of, that's too much. And I struggle with that phrase. And I do my best not to say it, but it happens, right? In that sense of, you know, too much, meaning what? I can't handle it. You can't handle it. The world can't handle it. And just seeing how that might be received. And I track back to the book, The Four Agreements. And there's a story in there where this daughter is singing, right? And the parent is not having a great day has a headache, isn't feeling well, is feeling stressed, and says to the daughter, oh, can you just stop singing, right? And you can imagine lots of different ways that could have been intended, lots of different ways it could have been said, lots of different ways it would have been received. But the impact of that was that the daughter stopped singing, full stop, indefinitely, silenced Right, her singing voice from that one moment, that one interchange, And we could think, well, that's extreme, right? You're going to stop singing because of one statement. But we never know, right, what the impact of that silencing might be. And checking in, right, once we notice that that daughter isn't singing in the way that she had been, at the frequency, at the volume, saying why, right? And there's an opportunity for clarifying because we can't control moment to moment, although, right, the four agreements, would encourage you, and if you haven't read that book, highly recommend it, right, to be impeccable with our word, right, so do the best we can with that, and that's actually a preview, right, doing our best with each of these, not making assumptions, both in why the person's singing or not singing, right, not taking it personally, and that would be extended to the daughter there, at this moment, the parent wasn't feeling well, and singing wasn't in that realm of tolerance in that moment, and so all those different opportunities, but also, The continued opportunities to see what is the impact of silencing. And if I know that wasn't my intention, how do I re-engage and encourage in that space? And so noticing that. So for me, it's looking at the words that I use, right? Choosing them with intention, with impeccability, recognizing when they have a different impact than what I intended, right? Not making assumptions that someone heard it in the way that I said it. And getting clarity in that space and checking in, noticing how that might feel for someone else. And we can't control their feelings, but we can check in. We can engage. We can clarify. So as we sit with this concept of silence, thinking about what it means, how it feels, what it looks like, when you have utilized it, For good, when it serves you, when it offers space for connection, when it calls you to practice and uphold your strength, to hold space in silence with another or for yourself, to not attempt always to fill it, to see the richness that exists in the absence of actively produced sound, but not the elimination of energy existing in that space. To see how silence can be used against us, how we can wield it against another, to recognize when that's happening, to call ourselves to have attention and awareness, to check in with our intention and impact, to acknowledge that we have the opportunity to grow to nurture silence in such a way that it encourages the richness of the next word spoken, that it highlights the beauty of those words and notes that immediately preceded the silence, and to recognize that sometimes, even when it wasn't planned, it offers us the opportunity for reflection it gives us the gift of pause. It offers us opportunity to explore. It might introduce us to another source. It can give us a sense of what we have appreciated most about that which has filled the silence previously. And we have the opportunity to step into silence, thoughtfully, hopefully, in an engaged fashion, that contributes to the score, to the music, to the soundtrack of our lives. I thank you for navigating this extended week of silence. I'm grateful for all that has emerged during. I'm appreciative of the experience of sharing this episode now, of looking back on those that preceded it with gratitude for all who have shared their own messages for those who have asked meaningful questions that invite silence in order to reflect and bring it forward and I look forward to continuing this journey this conversation with you this is Dr. Amelia Vicki with This Osteopathic Life thank you for listening